series that talks about basically the, the things that we value as a church. And the reason why I want to talk about the values that we hold is because everyone has values, whether good or bad. And it's very important. We've been going through a signify our values so that we would make sure that we value the right things and go in the right direction. We may have a vision that we're going towards, but the way we get to that vision uh, is is going to be, uh, uh, how could I say this? We will get to that vision according to the things that we value and the way that we do life. And we'll do life according to the things that we hold as valuable or that we prioritize in our minds, that we know that we can have bad values or good values. A church can say, uh, here's an example of a bad value. A church can say, we just want to have the biggest, baddest sanctuary with all of the technology and all of the whistles in the world. That's not bad, right? But we can have all that and not have the presence of God. Are you with me? So, so that's not necessarily a good value. So it, it's important for us to always communicate and talk about what our values are. And we said that we value the presence of God. We value the presence of God. We welcome it through worship by preaching His Word and by taking it with us. We said that we value the Bible. And as we talked about the Bible, in a sense, I apologetically, uh, meaning in, in an apologetic way, in, 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 a, in a way of defending the faith, I talked about reasons why we should put our faith in the Bible as the inspired Word of God. And, uh, and, uh, and today, I want to kind of park there a little bit, yet at the same time dive into something else, which is the Great Commission, being a disciple. More than the Great Commission, more, more, more narrow than that. Being a disciple is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Word of God, valuing the Word of God, and what that looks like for a disciple. I think it's valuable that, that we understand that. So last week, we talked about reasons why to put our faith in the Word. Today, I want to talk to you about how to experience the Word of God. I don't want to just read the Bible anymore. I want to experience God as I'm reading His Word. That's a totally different reality. I, I want to know him, not just know about him. And that's what I want to talk about today with you. And let me just read a couple scriptures as we talk about valuing the word of God. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus after he rose from the grave. And I want you to notice what he's saying. I have the authority. God has given me the authority, right? And now notice what he says. Therefore, because I have this authority, because this authority has been given to me, this is what I call you to do. Go and listen to the command of God. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you even unto the end of the earth. So here is Jesus He is about to ascend into glory. He makes a declaration that the authority is his. And as he makes that declaration, then he looks at his disciples and he says, now go make disciples. Inevitably, we know that God, through the scriptures, it's it's clear to us that God, that Jesus chose disciples who come from all kinds of different backgrounds. One guy was a tax collector. The other guy, Judas, was a thief. Another guy was highly religious and a man of integrity, Nathaniel. Another guy, another guy was a zealot. He was almost borderline terrorist and, and was wanting to go against Rome. 
There were just a group of people that would never hang out together if they had the choice. Yet Jesus called them and said to all of them, follow me. So when Jesus at this moment, I want you to understand, says to them, go and make disciples. It's not like now they're going to figure out what making disciples looks like. No, they're going to go back. They're going to resort back to the way they lived while they were with Jesus. Jesus said to them, go and make disciples. That means now look at the way that you've lived with me. Look at the things that you learned from me and go do the same. Disciples had a manual, and that manual was the experience of the three and a half years that Jesus walked with them. Consequently, the words that are vital to make disciples are two, follow me. So the disciples went and made disciples because they were disciples. You and I are only going to be capable of making disciples if we are disciples. We cannot go and make disciples if we're not disciples. Just like I cannot train somebody to be a cardiologist, how dangerous would it be for me to have a scalpel? Who who wants to be the first? Are you with me? It would not be right for me to preach the word and not be his disciple. It would not be right for me to call myself a Christian and not be a follower. It would not be right for me to produce fruit different than what I'm preaching. If I'm going to make a disciple, it is because first, I am a disciple. And I am living in communion with God daily. And out of that relationship, that I, out of that relationship flows naturally a certain kind of fruit that not only changes my life, but gives an example to those around me so that I can say not arrogantly, but because I'm living with Jesus, follow me as I follow him. Not because I have the answers, but follow me because I'm just following him. Are you with me? So if we make disciples, we literally have to be able to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. What are practices of disciples? What are the things that disciples do? And I believe that disciples have a high regard for the Word of God. And for you and I, I believe that we are to experience Jesus just like the disciples experienced Jesus back then. The power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the miracles, all that, I believe all that is supposed to be a part of the reality of the disciple today. And I believe that as we come to the Word of God, that we should be having this kind of communion that is so changing, so life-transforming, so real, that it would be natural to be able to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's challenging. Amen? Amen. That's challenging. Now let's go to another scripture as we talk about being a disciple. Being a disciple means that I'm going to hang out with Jesus. Today, if I'm hanging out with Jesus, I'm hanging out with his word. I realize that his word is alive. Psalm 1, verse 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And I want you to notice the progression here. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands, nor sits. Walks, stands, sits. And what the psalmist is trying to paint is that there is a progression of sin. First, we entertain sin. We walk around it. We entertain it. We listen to the counsel that's not right. Then we hang out with it. 
You know, we kind of dabble in it. We entertain it. You know, we got to play with it. But then we live in it. We're embedded in it. We're seated. We're seated in it. So blessed, blessed, blessed are those who don't entertain it, who don't walk around it, who don't sit in it. Right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seats in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, that word is so big, delight. Delight. To say that you delight is to say, I take great pleasure in something. And I take such pleasure that I look at my day and I make sure that I make time throughout my day to take great pleasure in this one thing. How many of you guys hunt? How many people I got? How many hunters do I got? How many of y'all get the great delight in hunting season? Right? You look, you look forward to that. And I look forward to eating whatever you hunt. I just can't do it myself. Right? But you know, but you know, you look forward, you know, it's something that you prioritize. So blessed is the man who delights, who takes great pleasure in what? The law of God. And meditates and meditates on it day and night. Blessed is the person, blessed is the man and woman of God who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, uh, they meditate day and night. In other words, I'm, I just don't happen to come around it on Sunday mornings. It's not just a sermon that I'm catching on, on TV. But every day, my meditation, my thought is on his word, on his ways, on the way he does life. Now, how in the world that happens? I'll tell you how that happens. By hanging out with him through his word. You see, when you hang out with somebody, you think like that person. You act like that person. That person's mannerisms, you know, you, be, you, you say things that person says. You just, you just begin to do the same thing. There's a sister here who was uh, Sister Sandra. I don't know where she's at. But when she first started coming to church, there was three things she would always say. Wow, wow, wow. How you doing, Sandra? Great. Wow, wow, wow. Before you know it, there's like multiple people saying wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. So what is this? You know, people are, go- you can tell who's been hanging around Sandra, right? Because she, she's got these sayings that are catchy and people kind of just catch on to those sayings. We are, in a sense, vacuums. The relationships that surround us will begin to affect us one way or another, right? And so when we hang out with God, meditating on his ways day and night just simply means when I hang out with Jesus so much, I'm in his word so much, I hear what he has to say so much, that when I encounter a crisis, part of how I deal with how I'm going to respond is looking at how that relationship is affecting me. And it, it comes to the point where I naturally respond in a certain way because my relationship with him has affected me in such a way that all of a sudden his nature is my nature. Anybody with me? You understand what I'm saying? So that's what it means. He meditates on his law day and night. I'm hanging out with God. I'm hanging out with his word. It's in me. I'm putting it in my mind. I'm, I'm memorizing it or I'm reading it. But I'm spending so much time in it that it's beginning to shape my character. You know... It's so subtle how things shape our character and our attitudes. And this is just a a silly example, and I'm going to use it even if it makes me look silly. But there was a point where where I was entertaining a certain TV show series. It was like a thriller. It was action-packed. I love those things, but I watch one too many episodes, okay? And I know that I was watching one too many episodes when I'm driving and I'm looking at the rearview mirror like, somebody following me? (laughs) 
I don't want to have to break the protocol precedent. You know, and so here I am, you know, and all of a sudden I just, almost as if I heard a voice, what is wrong with you? Who you been hanging out with? Oh, I've been hanging out with Jack Bauer in 24 <laughs> You know, and I'm not speaking negatively about these things. But what I'm saying is, I was probably watching so much of it, it was beginning to affect my emotions or my attitude about things. Some would say, well, that's silly. That's a, but you know, that's a reality. What I entertain, what I delight in, what I, what I spend time watching, what I spent, who I spend time hanging out with, will begin to affect my attitude and how I see the world. Right? It's like Jesus saying, hey, who are you hanging out with? You know, our God is Elkanah. You know what I mean? His name is Jealous. Don't be giving anyone else more time than you give your God. Not an unrighteous jealousy, but a covenant jealousy that says, I'm married to you. I refuse to give you to another. But he meditates on the law day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Notice there are seasons, right? We all go through seasons. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its seasons. In other words, when we're in the Word of God, when we're in fellowship with Jesus, when we're hearing this Word, when it's in our hearts, we're going to be fruitful people. It's going to yield fruit. Because what we're doing by being in the Word of God is we're in the water of God. The water, the nutrients of His Word is constantly changing, transforming, and bringing life to us. And its leaf does not wither. In all that He does, He prospers. Man, I want that to be a picture of my life, don't you? I want that to be a reality of my life. So because of that, I want to talk to you about how to do the Word of God. How, how to read your Bible so that it's incarnational. In other words, it's alive and not just something you're doing to say, check, I read the Word. And I want to make a case. The first case I want to make is this. You should read your Bible daily. Okay? I want to make that case. It's not important if you read as much as I do or as much as, you know, Laura goes through the Bible every day, Genesis through Revelation. She's memorized Psalm 119 and she's going to recite it now. No. <laughs> you, know, you know, it doesn't matter how much you, you, you know, everybody has a different reading level. The importance is that every day you're reading the Word of God. It's important that every day you're in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the greatest mentors in your life are in the Bible. The greatest mentors in your life are in the Bible. Samson's going to sit and talk to you, and he's going to tell you, God had this incredible anointing and calling in my life. This is how I squandered it. This is the momentum of sin. Don't do it. Eli's going to sit there and talk to you and say, God called me to be in his house, to be his priest, to intercede. And I got so I lost my way so much I couldn't even see. I couldn't even tell when a woman was interceding. Joseph, Joseph is going to look at you and tell you, I know how to not complain when I'm going through some difficult circumstances. Moses is going to sit there and tell you, 
I felt very inadequate, but I've learned that God qualifies those that he calls. Right? And as you go through the Bible, you know what you'll find? I love Wayne Cordero is the one that coins this. You'll find your greatest mentors here. One of the most troubling things about counseling is that sometimes, can I say this? People want, you know, number one, people want me to spend time in counseling them. And, and I want to spend time in counseling them. But time is, is a limited thing sometimes. While you, at any given time, if you prioritize the Word of God, you have hundreds of counselors who are ready to guide you. Mentors who are ready to tell you their story and how their story can be wisdom for you so that you don't have to learn the hard way. I don't want to learn the hard way. I do not want to be a knucklehead. Number one reason why you should read the Bible daily. The greatest mentors in the world are in the Bible Second reason, not only the greatest mentors are are in the Bible, the wonderful counselor, the greatest counselor is in the Word of God. Well, you read the Word of God and you realize that the Holy Spirit is your counselor. When you pick up your Word and you read it, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is going to highlight things you never saw before. And it's just right on time to deal with the issue you need to hear with at the moment. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Nobody, there is There is no counselor in the world that can do that for you other than the Holy Spirit. And third, so that you would be continually fed and replenished spiritually. I want you to hear this. Sundays, I love the preaching of the Word. I love the worship. And I love, and I love uh, the study of the Word. I love all of it. It's so good. But I want, I want us to see it as only a part of the main meal. It's only an appetizer, per se. It's a part of the, it's, it's a part of the whole deal. It's great. But this should only feel your continued devotion the next day, and the next day, and the next day. If you're going from Sunday to Sunday without eating, you're anorexic. We're anorexic in the Spirit. So we got to be in our Word on a daily basis. Now, when I read the Scriptures, when I read the Scriptures, it's also important that I gauge my attitude and my critical thinking as I go through the Word of God. What's my intentions? What do I intend to get from reading the Bible? Number one, I read to get wisdom and understanding for how to do life. I want to get wisdom and understanding for how to do life. I go to the Word of God for direction. I want my life to be a blessing to Him. Secondly, I make a decision before I read. Holy Spirit, I want you to speak to me. And I make a decision. What you speak to me, I want to apply. You know what I find? Everybody wants a burning bush experience. In other words, everybody wants to encounter the glory of God. Everybody wants to cry with the boogers all out and everything. We just, well, I don't know about all that. But we want to experience the presence of God. But when you look at the Bible, whenever the presence of God is there, and God, people had God encounters, God called them to do something. Right? So his presence comes with a call to do something. So when we read the Word of God, right, when we read the Word of God, we should expect to hear God tell us what to do. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, but it reads this way. 1, 22, on down. Be doers of the Word and not just hearers of the Word and deceive yourself. 
For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Uh, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no, not just a hearer who for, uh, or uh, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. In other words, look, this is the deal. Don't just hear the word of God, because when you hear the word of God and not do anything about it, it's like looking at your face in the mirror and then forgetting who you are. Instead of doing that, you should read the word and do it, and you'll find that in obeying the law of the word of God, you'll find freedom for your life and you'll prosper in what you do. So it's very interesting. The word of God doesn't only reveal God, it also reveals who we are. Looking at the word of God reveals who we are. It's like looking at the face of the mirror. It's so important that when we turn to the word of God, number one, God, whatever you say, I'm going to apply. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to rationalize. I'm not going to justify. I'm not going to say anything to keep me from obeying what you have to say to me. Because if I don't obey you, God, there is no point in meeting with the pastor for a counseling session because he's not going to justify my sin. You got to make a commitment. To the Holy Spirit and His Word. I read to get wisdom and understanding for how to do life. Second, whatever is revealed, I make a decision to apply. Third, I don't read to know about God. I read to know Him. I read to know Him. Right? So, how, how should I read the Bible? Now that I, these are my intentions when I go to the Word of God. How should I go about reading my Bible? Number one, I have to find a rhythm that works for me on a daily basis. A rhythm. A rhythm for living on a daily basis. I'm supposed to follow Jesus. I'm supposed to be a disciple. The rhythms of my life should show that I'm following Jesus. So my day, my rhythm for living should have uh, 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 paint a picture of someone who prioritizes God. I want to hear. I want you to hear it from me. I love. I think it's soothing to go to sleep while I'm reading the Word of God. I do. I, I think. Hey, better than strolling through Facebook. Might as well go to sleep reading the Word of God and getting caught up in somebody's gossip, right? Well, I'm. I'm that's great, but God should have the best of my day. And the best of my alertness. So when I say consider your rhythm of life, I'm saying, are you giving God time where you're alert so you can read the word of God? What's your rhythm? And how do you prioritize that time of reading the word so it's something that you're taking the light in? My favorite time every day, my favorite time is getting up in the morning, getting in my office with my coffee. When it's not a fast, a good muffin. And the word of God. And just, I hit the do, well, the do not disturb button. It's on my phone. Glory to God. And I just, and I just, that's my favorite time of the day. And I prioritize that. Because if I'm not in the word, in communion with Jesus, I got nothing to offer to you. And you don't have anything to offer to anyone else. So the question is, how are you prioritizing the time where you're talking to Jesus? If I don't prioritize time with my wife, do you think we're going to be affected in my marriage? Uh, absolutely. She will drop kick me in the name of Jesus. I told you about this. And Jesus will be pleased. Right? 
It's the same thing with my relationship with God. You know, I need to prioritize the time that I spend with him. Make sure that I have rhythms that make sense. For some of us, that may be the nighttime. For some of us, that may be the morning. So for some of us, that may be the lunch hour. Whatever it may be, that God would have the alertness of our lives. Okay, second, I welcome the Holy Spirit. My wife does this incredible thing. And I'll share this with you in a minute, but... When I'm reading the word, I'm having dinner with Jesus. Jesus has come dine with me, right? Jesus, it's like Jesus inviting me to his dinner table and I'm having supper. And you know what? I have bad supper. I have bad dinner manners. I kind of grew up in a home where we just had dinner in front of whatever, you know? And that drives my wife crazy because she did dinner right. She grew up having dinner right at the table. It, parents enjoying the children. The children couldn't leave until, you know, the whole process experience of dinner was done. But I'm, I, I drive her nuts sometimes because I'm just trying to get dinner done. And she's like, we have to experience dinner. And if I don't experience dinner with my wife, she's not going to be a happy woman, right? And my kids need me to experience dinner with them. I mean, it's, it's such a minor thing that can change the dynamic of your home, right? So when I read the Word, I'm not just getting through the checklist of my reading plan. I'm trying to be with Jesus, conversate with him, just slow down. Life can't be so busy that you can't slow down to hear from the Lord. You know, productivity is overrated in America because what productivity is get much done with little quality and you can't do your relationship with Jesus like that. You can't do your relationship with anyone like that. So, I welcome the Holy Spirit. Third, what else? How else should I read? I get a Bible I understand. Get a Bible translation you can read. Okay? Get something that you can read, that, make, that you, can, you can grasp and that you can get application from. There's, there's a bunch of translations out there that can help you in this. You know, um, let, me, let me just say this. I love a good study Bible. If you're a King James person and you're comfortable with that, there's a good King James study Bible. New King James study Bible, also good. If you're not a King James person like me, I appreciate the King James, but I'm not going to get the best out of my relationship with Jesus necessarily reading that. So there are different translations out there. The ESV is a good translation. If you're just beginning to understand Scripture, the New Living Translation, the NIV are good Bibles to read. The important thing is that you're hearing from Jesus and you're saying yes to obeying him. Are you with me? Important, you know, I, I remember giving the Bible to someone and the people weren't reading it. And they said, why, why aren't you reading that Bible? Well, my parents told me that the King James Bible is the only Bible and that anything else is from hell itself. And I said, okay, so tell me, are you reading the King James Bible? Yes. Are you understanding it? No. Okay. So you're not understanding the Bible you're reading. This is this really working out. It's not. You understand what I'm saying? Get, get a Bible you understand. Get a, get a Bible that has pictures in it. <laughs> I was so happy. There are Bibles with pictures. Glory to God. I can read look forward to a section where I get a... Okay, I'm sorry. That, I know that's just me. There are some things I read in the Bible that makes no sense to me. I'm not an architect... And anything that sounds like math, it's like I go flatline. Numbers, forget it. 
right? And so, listen, there are measurements that are very difficult, but all of a sudden I see a picture of the Ark of the Covenant or a picture of the priestly garments. It's like, oh, that's what they're talking about, you know? And it makes total sense now that I saw it. Some of us are more visual. And, and so some, some of you would love that dimension stuff. God help you. Don't tell me that you like that dimension stuff. I don't really care. But, you know, but you get something that you're understanding. Get a devotional book. I'm constantly, okay, so in the morning I'll read my Bible. And alongside with that, I'm at a place where I'm reading a book. You know, I'm reading a book because it speaks to me. And there are many Christian books that are really good, really, really good books. And, and so for me, in my process, in my rhythm, I got a Bible that I'm reading. I got a Bible plan that I go through. And I got a book that I'm reading. I try to go through two books a month, you know. But that's just me. That's just me. I may have more time than that. And you need me as a pastor to be filled with the Word of God. You need that. You know, some, some of you may be totally different. Um, um, so there's this book. It's called, Thus Set the Lord, in question mark. How to know when God is really using someone to speak into your life. It's an interesting book. How many of y'all think this is interesting? Raise your hand. Show me. Isn't it, Taylor, this is yours. Okay, this, this is a great book. And so I think it's a good book for those who are interested in building a devotional life. It's good to pick up things that you feel the Lord is speaking to you, that, that the Lord, is, that, that the Lord uh, uh, may speak through you. Uh, through. And, and so it's, so it's so important that we have a, a healthy devotional life. Okay, the second thing I do is I keep a journal. And I'm always, I'm writing down a verse that grabbed my attention as I'm reading the Bible. I'm writing down a verse, and, and, and I'm, I'm focusing on that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And, and, and here's something else I do. If I miss a day, I don't have this attitude that says, well, I, I'm not going to do it the next day because I missed yesterday. It's like saying, you know, I had terrible conversation with my wife yesterday. I might as well just drop the whole talking to God. I'll see her Sunday. It just doesn't work. That's not the way it works. Don't treat your relationship with God that way. You have bad communication one day. Okay, pick it right back up the next day. Just pick it back up. God is going to be right there. You know, just pick that devotional time right back up. Now, how to get the most out of my reading? How do I get the most out of my reading? And I don't get tired of speaking of this process. It's not new with me. The original person I think who spoke about this is a man by the name of Wayne Cordero. Uh, Many pastors talk about this. Today I want to talk about it again because I think it's absolutely valuable that if we're disciples that we spend time with the Word of God, right? Because if we don't spend time with the Word of God, we can't be disciples. If we're not disciples, we can't make disciples, right? So I, when I go through the Word, I do this devotional process I call soap. I love soap. I love to be cleansed by soap. So soap is this, as study. Every day I have a plan where I'm reading the Scriptures, Okay, I'm reading the Bible every day. If you've never read the Bible before, I recommend that you read the Gospels. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or begin there. If you read the Bible before, I, I re- there are so many different Bible plans. My plan is I read three, three books out of the Old Testament, one Psalm, one Proverb, and then I read a chapter up to three the most of the New Testament every day because I, I want to kind of process the Scripture. I don't... I, I'm not interested in just going through the scripture in a year. That's great and all, but I want to have communion with Jesus. I want to experience God in the whole ordeal, right? Uversion.com. Uversion.com. It's a website and an application you can get on your phone 
with a multiplicity of Bible plans that you can get. The important thing is that every day you're reading. So every day I have a commitment. I'm going to read something. I read the scripture. Then I go to observation. So I'm reading the Bible. Something's going to get my attention. Are you with me? When that something gets my attention, I write down the observation. So for example, in this journal, this journal, first thing, oh, this verse grabs my attention. If you see, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'm writing that verse down. I want to write that down. I want to cement that in my heart. And I'm observing. I'm making an observation. The observation is that those who devote their hearts completely to God, those are the ones that find him. That's my observation. My application is, okay, now when I think about, okay, I'm reading the scripture. I am observing what the scripture is saying. Now how do I apply it into my life? Now I have to make, do something with the scripture that I'm reading. The Bible tells me that I got to seek him uh, with all my heart to find him, and I want to find him. Then I got to, what is the application? The application may be, okay, Lord, I sense that you're calling me to get up in the morning every day to read the word at this time. That is diligently seeking you in my life, right? So now I'm studying the word. I'm observing what the scripture is saying. I'm not just paying attention to it. I'm looking for ways to apply it into my life. And then after I apply it, I write a short prayer. Lord, help me to seek you with all my heart, to prioritize a life with a rhythm that gives you the glory. Okay? So I write that down. And I title it while I'm, when I'm done, Finding God. Now, say, you know, I start this first year, probably going to have some mishaps, going to begin to build a rhythm, not going to be my best. Say I, I do this 150 times out of 365 days of the year. Well, I got at least 150 nuggets to refer back to where God spoke to me. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Now, I hope that I can get 365. My goal is 365. But I still got nuggets that God gives me. Now, when you read a large portion of Scripture, there may be a lot of things that God speaks to you. But what I encourage you to do is what's that one thing you have to get from that study? Because as you grow in the Lord, you're going to realize you can't read the Bible enough. You can't, because the more you hang out with Jesus, the more he has to teach you, right? It's like they say, new level, new revelation. They also say new level, new devil. That's why I got to be in Jesus, so that when the new temptation comes, I'm ready for it. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to, to live a life sold out for the Lord, okay? Live a life that's sold out for him. Would you help me with this, sir? And how does that begin? Thank you. That begins by hanging out with him on a daily basis. That begins by making a commitment to intentionally seek the Lord. James says, and those who look at the law and persevere in it. In other words, those who look at the word of God and make it a part of their lives to constantly refer to it. It is them that will prosper in what they do. If there's one thing we need to prosper at, listen to me. If there's one thing we need to prosper at is being his disciples. We cannot fail there. 
We must be his disciples because disciples make disciples. Father, we pray before you right now. and We thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the life that we have in you. Lord, I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about discipleship if I'm not a disciple. I can't make disciples if I'm not a disciple. I want to follow you. And Lord, today there are people here who are saying, I want to commit to your word and to follow after you. Not just hoping that discipleship happens, but intentionally every day I want to make a commitment to follow after you by making good time, not just sleep time, not just leftover time, but making good time, making sure that I have good time to spend with you. Lord, that's our desire today. If that's you today and you're saying, you know what, today I'm convicted that I need to be intentional about my discipleship. I need to be intentional about being in the Word of God. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Not that you didn't love God, not that you didn't desire His Word. But today, you you sense the Lord saying, you know what, I'm calling you to be more intentional about your pursuit of me, your pursuit of my Word. Jesus, today, before God, let's just do this together. Let's do this together. This is a call to the altar, not so that someone would pray for you but rather so that you can commune with God. So that you right there, as you're there before the Holy Spirit, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I want to be more intentional. Teach me, guide me, wonderful counselor. Open my eyes. As you could come to the altar and kneel, you could stand, whatever you like. Just You, you could be at the altar. Just say, Lord, I'm here to be intentional about our relationship with you. I'm here to be intentional about hearing from you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you that we will be a people that meditates on your ways day and night, day and night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. Altars are open.